Well, here we go once again, ladies and gentlemen. The 2018 season most definitely underway. Uh, we hit, I guess, our third event on the EKN Trackside Live Tour for 2018. Welcome to the debrief, episode number 15, January 30th, 2018. And again, as uh, I will reiterate, these debriefs, part of the EKN Radio Network, now a tighter focus. David Cole and I will sit back and look at one particular event that we just attended. And this particular event, we just got back from the opening round of the Challenge of the Americas in Phoenix. Once again, my name is Rob Howden, uh, joined as always by David Cole here on the EKN Radio Network. And we're pleased that you're tuning in for this edition of The Debrief. This week's show presented by Rock Cup USA, and it was a great one. Uh, David, I know that uh, you know, you've been up north for quite a while. I had a, had a chance to be in Homestead, then spent a, a little over a week in Southern California. So the uh, higher temperatures of Phoenix were were not really a shock to me, but for you coming down from from Michigan, it was it was pretty nice. You really couldn't have asked for much better weather in terms of a January event in February. High sixties into the seventies, and eventually eighty degrees on Sunday. Sunny skies every day. Textbook weather for Phoenix in January. Yeah, I couldn't realize. Re, re, I didn't realize how white my legs were. Um, <laughs> Yeah, well, we had well, we had no really no warm days down to Daytona, so I didn't really get get to continue my my tan from November being in Vegas. Whenever I got away from uh, underneath that tent there, but uh, walking walking around Saturday and Sunday around the racetrack, I thought my legs were dusty, but they were just white. <laughs> they were, yeah, shockingly white. Just so you know. <laughs> Hey, let's let's set uh, obviously great weather, but let's set up this uh, this debrief first and foremost to really kind of lay down what was the flavor of the event. It, it really was a, a rebirth, not so much rebirth, but a, a walking into a new era for sure for the Challenge of the Americas. Of course, Andy Saisman and his crack staff of of, uh, of people that work the event again, as always, just. You just know you're not going to have to worry about what's going on when you've got Taylor Jocelyn and Mark Michione doing the the race direction. You've got uh, you know Lydia Lydia Jocelyn handling all the registration. Uh, no one's better than Shelby Jocelyn up in the timing and scoring. Just the whole event. You know you've got Angel there, Angel Mata there as well to make sure everything runs smoothly. Just another great event. But but David, really, you know, after ten years of being a Rotax Max program and really kind of holding that flag for Rotax Max and Max Speed on the West Coast. A brand new thing for Andy Saisman and the crew as as they pick up the Rock Cup uh, USA banner, take that to the West Coast. And, you know, in talking with Andy coming into the event, uh, they weren't sure what they were going to get in terms of numbers. But everything spooled up nicely. And they put, I think, what, 84 or 86 drivers on the racetrack uh, through the weekend. So it really was a, a great start for Challenge to get going with that new program, the Vortex Engines and, and the Bridgestone Tires. Well, like you said, a lot of the pieces were the of the puzzle were the same. Uh, it just might have, you know, obviously maybe a different color shirt. Uh, yeah. Even even uh, if you look at it, really, um, we, we you know Andy was working with Potter last year with the Max Speed Group. Potter was there as a Rock Cup USA representative. Uh, Dave Davies was head of tech last year at, at Andy's program, and and Dave was there again this weekend. So. Really, I mean, the only thing that really changed was was the feel and the approach by the customers themselves. You know, everything uh, eternally was was still the same. You know, it was the same business as usual type atmosphere for Andy and his crew. 
Uh, the only thing they, you know, that was really different was was the engine package. So um, it was more for the customers having to learn, uh, you know, some of them running a rock engine for the first time ever. So uh, I think that was kind of the biggest uh, hurdle that that people had to get over was was just dealing with the engine package itself. And throughout the paddock, we we heard nothing but good things about it. Yeah, you're right. It, it was definitely very fos- positive feedback uh, throughout the pit area. Uh, entry numbers looking very good as well, as I had said, for the launch of this Rock Cup uh, Challenge in the Americas program. 86 entries total. For the most part, the Rock categories, uh, double-digit entries. Now, we're not talking 20, 30, 40 entries, but but double-digit, you know, uh, with one driver in the micro-Rock category. Of course, that's a, a brand-new group. We expect to see more drivers jump on board once it starts to take uh, more routes to the West Coast. But 11 drivers showing up for Mini Rock, and, and it was part of maybe even some of the best racing of the weekend. Uh, Junior Rock had 15. That was the high water mark. Uh, 12 drivers in in Rock Senior, 10 in Rock Master, uh, 10 in the Rock uh, Shifter Senior category. And those guys put a great show on. Just three drivers in the Masters class. But again, uh, we're watching that class develop. But if you put Senior and Master together, there was 13 on the racetrack uh, for the Shifter category. And then they brought the LO206 program back again for 2018 and a solid field there, 24 in total. Uh, then when we split them up, it was 13 in junior and uh, rather 13 in senior and 11 in junior. David, just really solid numbers to come out of the box with because you never know what you're going to have. And we all know about it. We talk about it. Numbers fuel numbers. Um, you know, with 10. 12, 15 in junior, that's going to attract that, like another handful that'll end up making it 15, 20, 25. The numbers we expect to grow. I know that's what Andy's saying as well. Not a lot of rock people in Phoenix, but when they do get to Cal Speed in Sonoma, where there is a bit of a regional club support for the, for the Vortex engine and the rock program, they're going to see better numbers. Yeah, we Andy was happy that they hit their the mark that they set out for going into the event. So that was that was a big big plus throughout the weekend. Uh, but you you said yeah, there's there's not a lot of rock drivers in Phoenix, but there were a lot of rock, a lot of Phoenix drivers there. So a lot of them yeah. either buying in new packages or taking advantage of the rental program that they had going on. So it'll be interesting to see how many of the actual Phoenix drivers we can get to go to Cal Speed because we know we're going to see a lot more drivers from the Southern California area racing in Cal speed. So that that's going to be the measure of, of, of the program, because I think a lot of them had success. So if they're looking to continue the championship chase, they're going to be in Cal speed next week or next month. And so I think definitely our numbers should be able to grow uh, overall. Yeah. You know, with tickets to the rock cup international final on tabs for the drivers who win championships, you know, you've got uh, a ticket to the Rock, the Rio for second place in the points. You got an entry into the 2019 season opener for the Challenge of the Americas for coming home in third in one of the Rock Cup categories. A lot of great stuff up for grabs. And as you said, I think guys from, from Phoenix who took uh, advantage of the rental engine program or borrowed one or bought one, you're going to see them make the trek to, to, uh, to Cal Speed to try to, get, to try to run after that championship because uh, the Rock Cup International Final at South Garda certainly is uh, an absolutely amazing event. That caps off our quick little look here. David and I, when we come back after this break, are going to dive into the paddock pass, really have a look at some of the things that we thought were kind of cool in the paddock, uh, some of the the news, some of the bits. We'll take a little deeper look into what happened off the racetrack when we get back from these messages. If you want to drive the best, drive a CRG. Our countless race wins and championships prove this fact. 
including taking the KZ Finals at the Scusa Super Nationals and the CIK World Championships in both 2016 and 2017. Our material is second to none. After years of independent American importers, CRG is now managed directly by the factory and run out of our state-of-the-art headquarters in Texas. CRG Nordam is the American arm of the CRG factory in Italy, and we're serious about success. We stock a wide variety of parts in all of our chassis, from the CRG Hero for the mini categories, to the Heron for tag race, the Road Rebel for gearbox competition, and the new FS4, which has been designed specifically for American four-cycle Briggs racing. If you're ready to step up to the national level, do it with a factory race team that competes across the USA. CRG Nordam is a full factory effort with the best personnel and the finest equipment. We're serious about winning, and you should be too. Carts, parts, engines, tires, and tools. At SharkShifter.com, what you need is just a click away. We carry the biggest names in chassis, like Tony Cart and F.A., DR Cart, CRG, and VLR. We have new chassis and all the parts you need. At SharkShifter.com, we also stock top-quality replacement parts from Swift Components, like axles, sprockets, and hubs. We have the inventory you need for your stock Honda as well, from cylinders, heads, and engine parts, to reeds, exhaust pipes, ignition covers, radiators, air filters, and air boxes. We build our own billet aluminum components as well, including motor mounts and clutch levers. Need to add to your toolbox? We offer alignment tools, brake, battery, and exhaust tools, tire gauges, and hand tools. Stop messing around getting your seat in the right position. We have a seat mounting system that makes it easy. Check the website for monthly specials. If you need it, we can get it to you fast. We ship the same day. SharkShifter.com, your online source for carts and parts. Back here on the EKN Radio Network with episode number 15 of the EKN Debrief as David and I break down the opening round of the Challenge of the Americas that took place in Phoenix this past weekend. The Paddock Pass this weekend brought to you by Nitro Cart. Uh, David, let's have a look at some of the cool things from the paddock. Um, on the racetrack and off the racetrack, I think one of the teams that, that kind of made a, a pretty big impact uh, in terms of success on the racetrack and just being in the paddock with with a number of drivers was VME Cart. You know, Vince Mandarino was there. Of course, his son Lorenzo Mandarino based in Italy. They have done a lot of work uh, to really kind of uh, develop their program. You know, Loren- uh, Vince and Lorenzo have been working on on the, on the VME chassis. We've seen it have a sporadic success and a limited numbers of drivers. Uh, the new look of the car, they got kind of the new gold livery. The chassis looks fantastic. Uh, they had success in the mini category. We saw them up front in junior and senior. I actually had a pretty good chat with Vince Mandarino, and, and we talked a little bit about the manufacturing of the chassis in Italy. He let me know that the place that he actually gets the chassis uh, welded up, he actually invested in his own custom jig. They had a couple of different jigs they used to build chassis for other companies. He actually invested in his own jig to make sure that that particular jig is the one that builds his carts. And of course, with Lorenzo kind of leading that design team uh, in Italy, what they've done here, David, you know, making a real concerted effort through VME Cart USA, the new importer for the program, to come out to Phoenix, to the West Coast, and to put the VME, you know, up front on the podium 
and racing for top five positions, it really was a successful outing for them to try to build some exposure for that great brand. It was. They had a great weekend. Like you said, in terms of numbers, they had a lot of drivers there, uh, but they also did very well on track wise, uh, you know, showing speed throughout uh, multiple categories. Uh, it's the, yeah. the VME thing has, has been a, a, a progression because we saw it begin at a grassroots level uh, with Vince and Lorenzo up in British Columbia, you know, trying to get some support through the West Coast. Then they, they making them making the move over to, to Italy. I think it was really stepped up their game uh, being on track literally every week, every day. Uh, we know Lorenzo is working hard and on making sure the chassis is is at optimal uh, speed. And, and I think it's translating now coming over here to the United States and, and North America, uh, showing showing well on the tracks here. Yeah, we did hear some news that we think is going to be coming out later this week or next week that I think they've signed uh, another team, another shop to uh, carry the VME line in California. So that's something that people can can uh, be keeping a lookout on ecardinews.com. You know, another team, David, making a pretty solid West Coast uh, a debut. Of course, coming off what it was some pretty serious success at the Super Nationals is Car Republic. You know, we talked about Dino, uh, Dino Chiesa's new program. Lorenzo Travis Nuto obviously getting success at Supernats. Pole essentially won the main event, but got that start line infraction. Then goes to the Scusa Winter Series and wins there as well on Sunday. So the, the Cart Republic is already getting some success. But, you know, with that one driver, let's spin around now and see Performance Cart Sport being in the paddock in Phoenix for the Challenge of the Americas. And man, they were able they were able to get some really good top fives as well. You know, Philip Nimkevich on the podium in the senior rock category as well. Brody Shukard was battling it out in senior rock, trying to get himself onto the podium on Sunday. Uh, all in all, for Cart Republic and Performance Cart Sport, they'll look back at this particular weekend in Phoenix uh, with very fond memories because man, it was a really good outing for them for Cart Republic as well. Yeah, anytime you have a world championship organization or or person, even with the you know, designing a chassis, you know, it's going to be good right out of the box. And that's one yeah. thing that the cart Republic has been able to do, take what they've learned from the Zanardi brand and move it over into this new, new product that they're, that they've developed and, and are now putting out on the market, uh, you know, with, with performance cart sport, you know, they've been at the challenge a lot of times and, but for Nim Nimkevich being a senior rookie and to go out there and to be able to, to at least keep pace and be on the podium uh, is, is a really success. Yeah. He had, he had a little issue there in the pre-final, I believe it was on Saturday, started at the tail of the field, then kind of you know, worked his way forward, which I thought was impressive, especially for, as you said, uh, a rookie senior driver, Philip doing a good job getting him up, getting him up in there. And again, just a good debut uh, on the West coast and in the challenge for car Republic. There's a lot of cars out there. They've got a very distinct livery uh, and obviously a successful chassis that has uh, the ability to run up front. I'm excited to see what they do when they get to, to Cal speed for uh, the next rounds of the series. Uh, another team making an impact, of course, uh, traveling all the way down from Edmonton, Alberta with a handful of Canadian drivers, uh, K&K West, Jimmy Gregory and his crew ran in the uh, the Rock Shifter category. They had drivers in LO206 Senior and LO206 Junior. Um, the crew from K&K West, they were all smiles on Sunday night. They had a good time. They got out of the cold in Canada. They made the long trek down to Phoenix. I uh, had a blast kind of learning the, the different tires, getting things you know, dialed in. It's obviously a little different approach in terms of uh, rear width on what they're allowed to run and, and, the, and the rubber we were running. But 
I like I like the fact that they were all smiles on Sunday night when we were doing the podium. They they had a great time, and really that is that is something we hear all the time about the challenge. You come out, you come down, you have a good time and enjoy yourself. For sure, and we've seen a lot of Canadians come down throughout the years that we've been with the Challenging Americas. Uh, so it's good to see uh, you know some newer faces coming down from north of the border. Uh, not just you, you know, everybody's getting tired of seeing you coming down, but <laughs> I agree. I agree. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so, you know, to come down and, 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 you know, the K&K is really trying to, to get their brand out to the United States market. Uh, you know, they've shown well throughout Canada, both on the West coast, on the East coast and in and, and, and all parts of Canada. So now I think they, they really want to hit the United States market well. And, and this was a way to in, kind of introduce to, uh, to, uh, not only the Southwest market, but just the United States in general with our coverage of the event. And, and uh, so it'll be interesting to see uh, how, how that program progresses uh, as the year goes on. Well, the K&K has found a lot of success in Briggs 206 racing north of the border up in Canada. Uh, multiple, you know, Canadian championships. Uh, we got a chance to see the shifter cart category, the shifter cart chassis as well as, as they were, you know, we don't usually see that up in Canada, but they were on track uh, with K&K West in the shifter cart class too. But you're right. They came down to, uh, to Phoenix, uh, getting some national exposure here on ecartingnews.com with the EK and trackside live coverage. We're talking about it here on the, on the debrief as well. So I, I think K&K will be a, a brand that we're going to see more of in 206 and the other categories as well throughout 2018. Speaking of 206, David, I would think personally for me, the best racing was probably the 206 classes and, and, and mini rock. We did see some great racing in deeper in the field in, in the senior rock category, but the 206 guys, they just, they, it's, you know, it was just textbook, get in that draft pack, try to be smart hang in for 18 laps in, in the main event and, and figure out where you needed to be. A lot of, uh, of strategy involved in making sure you were in the right spot, not getting too over-anxious in those main events. Yeah, the Briggs racing is more of a chess game, really, to, at, especially at the front of the field, because you want to be in the optimal position to be at the right time in order to take the lead at the right moment. And so it's 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 a big chess game. And when you throw in five drivers all trying to trying to – get to the spot they want to be at that causes a little bit of fun and excitement for us to watch. But, you know, we saw, we saw, you know, some good racing throughout most of the fields, you know, it was, it was just a lot of the, a lot of the, the uh, uh, races we saw were kind of dominated towards the front, but even, you know, racing for seventh here or racing for fifth there, we, we saw a lot of good battles throughout the weekend, but, uh, but for the Briggs racing and also the mini rock, I mean, the mini rock, you know, category had, a lot of jostling back and forth through with three drivers, five drivers, this and that. So it was it was good racing all around. You mentioned dominance, David. Let's let's touch on that a little bit. Uh, Ugu Ugu Chukwu flat smoked them in the uh, in the junior rock category. Jim McKinney coming back doing pretty solid in rock senior as well. Which uh, now the, the field wasn't overly deep in terms of rock senior, but man, he just. He didn't make a mistake, even though he was challenged by Phil Giebler quite a bit. He put on a great show, and then Nick Firestone was uh, was the man in the uh, the master shifter category. Um, it was funny because I think he probably could have battled a little, a little more aggressively and probably got himself a spot maybe in the top five overall. But he was smart and saying, "You know what? I don't need to be racing against these senior guys. You'll want to battle me for for fifth position overall. I'll just hang out." And uh, and okay, Nick Firestone doing a great job in that in that master shifter class. Well, when we do the full race reports, we'll talk more. 
But there was some dominance this weekend, especially with Ugu, um, David, just like no competition whatsoever. Well, with the Phoenix truck, you know, you got to be able to hit your marks over and over again. Because the one little mistake, you know, coming out of the hairpin, if you make a little mistake, it's going to affect you at the end of that long straightaway into the Daytona corner. And then you have the S's where it's right, left, right. You just There's plenty of room to make mistakes. And, and those who were able to dominate throughout the weekend, they had little to no, no mistakes at all. It's funny, David, where we sit uh, when we watch the race up in the tower, we get a really good look from the tail as the drivers work their way through turn number one into that one, two, three, right, left, right combination, which is such an important part of the racetrack. And you you, you watch guys on their entry. And we get, you can just see them all peel through, and we see the different entries where, uh, you know, some guys are up over the curb, some guys just kind of clip the apex, some guys are a foot and a half off because they're just missing it. And to watch Uguchukbu go through there, it was bang, bang, every lap, late apex, late apex, never up on the curb, never more than six inches away. He just hit the apex every time. And, and you know, even talking to uh, the assistant race director, Mark Michiome, he laughed at, at some people because I think that Ugu got his engine claimed at the end of the weekend. Um, he, people were complaining that maybe the engine, you know, they, he's got way more power. And I remember Mark saying to one of the parents, hey, feel free to come up and stand on my ladder outside of turn number 11. He's, he sits and stands on a ladder between turn 11 and between the double apex turn five. And he says, you can just hear the difference on the tires, the way the other guys are chirping the tires and really overworking them. Whereas Ugu just able to roll so smoothly through those corners hitting the apex every time. I don't think we can take away from from the, his development as a young driver because he really just did not make a mistake. And from where I sat, David, and where we were up in the tower, I didn't see him miss an apex, at least in turn number one. He was a robot all weekend long. You know, he's a, He was a small wonder as nobody got that reference throughout the entire weekend when I kept asking everybody. They have no idea what small wonder is, and it's making me angry, but I'm putting it out there. He was He was a robot. He was a robot. <laughs> oh my god it's making me angry that's fantastic well maybe somebody listen we post this up on facebook maybe somebody will get the small wonder david you can like have a little pity party with that person that remembers that particular tv show you're talking about it was one of my favorites i'm sorry i I hear that uh oh no like we said some some really good dominating performances the track was solid as always, the, the good folks from uh, from the PKRA had to play spick and span. The, the staff, the, the corner workers they have are have been around the sport for a long time. That's one of the things I love about going to PKRA. All the corner workers are all the same guys we've seen. They've been doing it for a long time. They know this sport. They did a great job making sure that it, uh, the flags came out when needed. They were able to get input back to um, to the race directors when, when, making, uh, when making calls. A, a number of calls came down to actual – they're looking at GoPro video, which is allowed in the in the Rock Cup USA program. And I think that was kind of interesting that they were able to get some video, some GoPro, and actually make some calls and change some calls, which uh, um, I thought was very interesting. All in all, just a very positive atmosphere. Of course, the challenge staff taking care of all their customers. Just a great weekend all around in terms of paddock pass. Like We're talking about on track and off track. It was just, just a great job in, in, in making sure that everybody was happy and, and we had ourselves a great weekend. We got more to come after this break, guys. We'll be back. And David and I will go through the categories. We'll hit the race report and kind of break down what we saw that happened on the racetrack. The 2018 season is just around the corner, and Trinity Carney Group is fired up and ready to take up the challenge. 
We're a full-service racing operation based at the Motorsports Country Club of Cincinnati, which gives us access to our custom-designed driver training facility. We utilize Tony Kart, OTK, and IANI products, and we're your source for Avinco Tire to the Midwest. For 2018, we have Arrive and Drive race programs available for the Supercarts USA Winter Series and the Pro Tour, the WK Manufacturers Cup, and of course, the KRA Series at Newcastle Motorsports Park. If you have your own equipment, we can provide the trackside support you need to take your program to the next level. If you're interested in running with a professional team with full support, coaching, and hospitality, give us a call. Trinity Karting Group has a long history in the sport, a winning pedigree, and we're dedicated to driver development. We pride ourselves on our professional approach and our positive attitude. Driver development is a big part of our program, and if your desire is to graduate into Formula Car Racing, we are the official karting feeder operation for Team Peltry, the championship-winning junior formula squad on the Mazda Road to Indy. If IndyCar is your ultimate goal, we can help pave the way. Let us build a custom race program for you. If you're new to the sport or a seasoned pro, we can take care of your kart racing desires. Give us a call at 513-421-4463 or check us out online at trinitykartinggroup.com. Are you ready to start making money for winning races? Are you a club racer? Do you run a regional series? Are you focused on national events? It doesn't really matter because you're all eligible to start cashing in on your performances. Alpha Kart USA, the American importer of the Alpha Kart chassis, is changing the game with their new $1.5 million contingency purse program. That's right, we're going to pay out up to $1.5 million. Win a race? win money. Cold, hard cash. Buy a new Alpha Cart Tiger 40 or Storm Evo along with a team suit from Dams Inc. and Alpha Cart USA and you'll set yourself up to support your racing program. With our program, national event victories will pay from $1,250 to $3,000 to win. Regional races will pay from $750 to $1,250 to win. And club races will pay $250 to win. Some of the series included are the Scusa Winter Series and Pro Tour, the United States Pro Kart Series and Route 66 Series, the California and Texas Pro Kart Challenge, the Rock Cup Florida Winter Tour, Challenge of the Americas, Rock Festival and Rock the Rio, the Gear Up F Series, and astonishingly, every single club across the United States. It's time to race for money, not trophies. Win on an Alpha Kart and we'll support your program. For full details and requirements, head to damsinc.com. That's D-A-M-Z-I-N-C.com. Welcome back to the EKN Radio Network and our breakdown, the EKN debrief of the recent Challenge of the Americas opener in Phoenix, Arizona, actually up in Glendale. Uh, David Cole and myself, Rob Howden, here giving you the breakdown. Hey, David, let's talk about Senior Rock out of the box. 
I think when you and I kind of looked at the list, we expected, you know, Giebler's going to be good. This guy's going to be good. We know that Jim McKinney, we watched him make the move from junior to senior a couple of years ago when he got roughed up by the seniors a little bit when he was starting to get a little overaggressive. But he's that veteran senior right now. And even though he hasn't run a national in quite a while, he knows this racetrack. We know his skills. But, man, he just flat came out and kind of dominated things in the senior category. Yeah, he was motivated, motivated to be at the front and I think motivated to win and kind of defend the home turf. You know, he 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 took kind of a year off wrenching here and there uh, over the last couple of years and he's focusing on school. So that's that's one thing that's kind of kept him away from the seat as well. But he's also done some dirt racing. So maybe the dirt racing has kind of helped him be a little bit more confident behind the wheel of the cart, if not a little bit better as a driver. So, uh, yeah, he just, you know, he had everything dialed in perfectly uh, until Phil, Phil Giebler came in and and uh, each day kind of came from behind because he couldn't quite get the get come to grips with the uh, with the new rubber each day and, and struggled in qualifying. But come pre-final, Giebler was was second, second place and ready to challenge for the final as, as a veteran should be. And uh, so it was uh, it was interesting to see that play out both days. You know, one of the things that, that I thought was impressive was was Jim's consistency in terms of lap times as well. Not only did he, did he pull out and was able to lead, but he actually was able to really start knocking out some consistent lap times. And for a guy that really hasn't raced as much as he normally did, that's what, what I kind of found very interesting. You know, yeah, but that's that's what you get when you're at your home track. I that's mean, true. That's true. It's, it's when, kind you, of- when you've been when you've been at this racetrack since you started karting, <laughs> what you should do. That's true. So the more impressive thing was is how he handled Giebler. He didn't let him get away. You know, he stayed on his bumper. He waited for the right moment, especially when he ran out of gas. But, yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> but again, that's what you do at your home track. You defend it. You, it's just like it's what we wish more local drivers would come and do. You know, it, you, yeah, that, wow. Yeah. You know what? Good point. Reiterate on that. I like that. You're right. You know, if, it's your track. You put in hundreds of laps every year on the track. If a national race comes to your comes to your track, enter. And show your stuff. See if you got it or if you don't got it. Because if you don't got it, then you know what you need to do at those other club races and events that come to your track to to improve yourself. I agree. I totally agree with that. And let's let's give some other props out there as well. Of course, we had said earlier Philip Nimkevich on the Cart Republic uh, as a as a rookie senior driver stepping it up on Sunday and grabbing a second place finish. Uh, we'll give props to Bailey Murphy as well. I know Bailey and his dad were wrenching on. On the chassis, we talked about the fact that there was lots of VMEs there. There was a bunch of cart republics. Uh, not surprising, there was a whole bunch of OTK chassis there as well. Only one dude on a on a deadly cart though, <laughs> and that was uh, uh, Bailey running in both the um, uh, the Senior Rock and LO206 class on the deadly. He had uh, Randy Turner working with him as well this particular weekend, and Bailey kind of a rock and rolled. It was fun on Sunday. He he battled it out with uh, with Brody Shukard for the final position on the podium on Sunday and. Uh, it was cool to see Bailey get in there and, and get scrapping away at it. Uh, that was some fun. That really was some fun racing. I thought in, in the Rock Senior class. Well, he's he's kind of the driver that I, I, I'm kind of talking about. He loves it when these big races come to his track because he wants to get out there and he wants to he wants to you know jostle around with with some of these bigger names that that come to the racetrack. So it, yeah, with him on a what probably what two year old if not older cart 
yeah. racing against, you know, you know, these brand new OTKs, these brand new cart republics, you know, brand new Ricardo carts, you know, going out there with, with two to three year old equipment. That's pretty impressive. You're right. You know, that's a really, really good point. And, and Bailey is that guy that will come out all the time and battle. It doesn't matter who comes to town. He's going to try to get out there and, and race these guys hard. And you're right. On an older chassis, the deadly, only one, only guy out there with the deadly as well. No information coming from other sources in terms of chassis setup. Uh, you got to give him ex- extra props on that. Don't need to talk too much about Ugo Ugo Chukwu because we already did it in the paddock pass. He flat blew away the junior rock field. Three-tenths of a second, essentially quicker than the competition all weekend long. Impressively consistent. The battle behind him was pretty It was pretty impressive uh, because there were some pretty solid drivers in the junior category. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be more interested to see who's going to step up in Cal Speed and who's, who's going to be – because we know that SoCal has a lot of local junior talent. And so that's what I'm kind of looking forward to see is who's going to come in and, and and challenge Ugo. That, that's going to be the story, I think, going into Cal Speed. Uh, Edward Ports looked good. Let's give some props out. Edward Ports, uh, Ports on the Burrell looked good. Ethan Ho was very quick as well. Uh, anybody else kind of stand out for you? Of course, the Torgerson's able to get on the podium uh, second and third on, on Sunday. David, did anybody else kind of yeah. step out for you? Yeah, Ethan Ho was was pretty good. I think he would yeah. have been there on Sunday too, but there was the uh, the opening lap skirmish. I think with him and Ports, I think they were both kind of involved in that, getting some getting off in the dirt. Uh, yeah, I thought the Torgersons. I thought they were going to be a little bit more uh, closer in terms of speed to Ugo, uh, yeah. having been to Phoenix a number of times. Um, Austin, I believe it's his second year in junior. Maybe I think Ashton, it's kind of his first year. So I, I really thought I was going to see a little bit more speed out of them, but uh, they were able to get on the podium Sunday, both of them. So that was overall, it was still a good, good, uh, good day for them. Um, but yeah, it, again, that junior field, we, we see it's, it's a lot of these regional guys that are, that are coming to uh, the challenge. And, and so we're probably going to see them kind of improve as, as we go to Cal speed. And then as we go to Sonoma, because a lot of them are Sonoma regulars as well too. So I think uh, by the time we get to Sonoma, we might see a lot more guys battling for those uh, podium positions. I, I don't disagree with you. I think that's a different racetrack as well. Now, Ugu was a, sort of half a second quicker in the main event on Sunday. Let's see uh, what happens when he gets to Cal speed. I'm not sure if he's ever been on the track at Cal speed, but uh, we will find out. Uh, Rock shifter senior. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, the drivers, interesting, of course, running those Bridgestone tires. They got a little less grip than the MGs or the Avincos or, or any tire that we've seen used before uh, when, we, when we've been at a national at Phoenix. So they were a little bit off the pace in terms of, of the speed we saw with the Hondas or whatever it may be tire-wise. But it doesn't matter. you got the horsepower. you got the tires. you got to figure out how to, way to drive them hard. And and out of the box on, on Saturday, Cole Bailey doing the old weight in the uh, pit lane before he started qualifying, waited till the end of that 10-minute qualifying session to come out. And on the final circuit, drops the hammer to make it exciting, goes on to pull. He goes on to sweep the weekend. You got to think, you know, you're going to come out of the box on Sunday and probably be that guy again. But Nicky Hayes really turned up uh, the wick in the uh, in the Ricardo, uh, David. He was the guy there. You know, Cole couldn't take the pull on uh, in qualifying on Sunday. And then Nicky kind of just flat dominated from the, from the the for the rest of the weekend. He just put, really put down... Some great laps on Sunday. It's good to see. Yeah, it's good to see Nikki back in shifters because I believe he was an S five driver for a little bit time, a little bit of time there too. So I think this is his first time uh, racing a senior shifter cart. Um, 
but he had a little bit of some issues getting off the line, but uh, once he got those fixed and got those bl- bugs worked out, yeah, he Sunday he was the guy to beat, which which was kind of a shock because we saw uh, Bailey just just dominate on on Saturday. So so obviously Nikki and and Giebler that those two worked together and found some extra speed to to, to transfer it over and into Sunday for a victory. It seems like we're always getting these guys that, that go run the Red Bull Global Rallycross Series in, in the GRC Lights class. They all end up coming back and having some fun with us, you know, and carding later on, whether it's Christian Brooks or whoever it may be. Uh, this week it was Alex Keys. Here's a guy with a, a number of wins in GRC Lights competition. He ran for Dryer and Rybold this year in, in the, the Red Bull Global Rallycross Series, finishing fifth overall. Pretty solid little return to action for Alex on a Burrell. End up... Uh, uh, with a couple of podium finishes, we're a second and a third, I think, pretty pretty solid outing for the kid. Yeah, and he actually challenged uh, Hayes early on in the final. Just uh, I don't think he quite had the pace for the twenty five lap final, but early on he definitely had the aggressiveness, and uh, I don't know, maybe he just didn't have the, the right tire pressure or whatnot, but but was very quick uh, throughout the weekend and, and it was good to see him land on the podium both days. Uh, I remember he was uh, a lo- while back, uh, we did a school at MRP cause he used to live in Michigan. Uh, our good friend, Mark Miller was, was doing a, a school there and he was one of the kids that was, that was taking part in the school. And so it's, it's weird. <laughs> it's weird to see him go from that to being, like you said, our, you know, on the lights program and, and now racing shifter carts as, as good as he is now. I love that. That's a great. That's that's a great connection. I dig it. Uh, we talked about Nick Firestone already, and and how good he was in the Rock Shifter Masters class. Really, the the, the class of the field for sure. Um, we were expecting a pretty good battle though, because his good buddy and fellow DR cart driver Jason Campbell was going to run in the Masters class. Uh, but he says, you know what? I'm not going to run Masters. I'm going to I'm going to race against the young guns in the in the Rock Senior class. And, and Jason was good, man. He, he had a one, I think one of the races, he had a rough start getting off the line. But other than that, he was right there for, you know, third, fourth, fifth in the category, had some good fights, uh, ended up getting into a big battle with Enzo Prevo at the very end of the Sunday main where Enzo drove over the back of him. But, you know, as a master's driver, Campbell fares pretty well when he's racing against the young kids too. I like to see that. Yeah. If I recall, I think maybe it was Sunday morning warm up. He was, he was one of the quickest drivers out there, if not the quickest. So yeah, it was, it was interesting. He was, he was very aggressive. Try He just had a, a bad start. I think it was in, in the, in the Sunday final, but uh, to run top five against, against the young guns is a very impressive. We got more, uh, we got more classes still to hit ladies and gentlemen, another four to, to tag off here as we continue through our race report. Uh, on this particular edition of the debrief. Uh, again, as I said, David Cole and I breaking down the Challenge of the Americas opener from Phoenix last weekend. We just all uh, flew back home yesterday getting this uh, podcast done, and we'll get it up on the ECAN Radio Network. Hope you're enjoying it so far. Stay tuned. More to come here on this edition of the debrief. In a sport where the difference between winning and losing is measured in hundreds of a second, you can't afford to leave anything on the table. You invest in the best equipment, the lightest components, and top-of-the-line data acquisition systems. Anything to find one more tent, right? I'll tell you right now, the best investment you could ever make is in yourself. If you want to improve your results, it's time for professional instruction and coaching at the Allen Rudolph Racing Academy. Located at the new state-of-the-art speed sports racing park just north of Houston, the Allen Rudolph Racing Academy uses the very best equipment, Burrell Art Carts. 
They offer half-day, one-day, two-day, and three-day clinics. They have a one-on-one student-to-instructor ratio, and they will design a customized curriculum for each student. Alan Rudolph is one of the most respected people in the sport, and he has nearly 20 years' experience training drivers, including Chase Elliott, Neil Alberico, Austin Versteeg, and Sabre Cook, and rising stars like Pietro Fittipaldi. Train with a champion with over 30 years of racing experience to get proven results. Start off your season with a driver tune-up. Tune-up your season with some driver coaching. Or get ready for the big races by training with the best. Reserve your dates now by calling 866-607-RACE. That's 866-607-7223. For more information, visit speedsportsracingpark.com slash racing hyphen academy. Back at it here, episode number 15 of the EKN Debrief. Rob Howden and David Cole breaking down the recent challenge of the America's opener, the first event for Rock Cup as part of the challenge. Uh, David, let's go to Rock Masters right now because it's interesting. For the last number of years, we've saw Paul Bonilla uh, be the badass, You know, obviously a champion uh, in the series, race winner. Adam Kasich, though, stepping up in a big way for podium karting on a comp cart. Man, very impressive for Adam to come in and really show strength all weekend long. The Masters category at the Challenge has always been one of the kind of the the premier categories, uh, as we know, because Andy Saisman, longtime Masters driver, not saying he's really old, but he just he's always promoted that category as as one of the top guys, uh, top headliners because of of the drivers he's been able to bring into the program. We've got the Falcone, the Crow, the Benia. You know, last couple of years it's been Cleveland, and now now we have the new guy, Adam Kasich. I mean, he just he came in. We we know he's he's had the, uh, the ability to run up front at another of uh, another of uh, uh, national events, and uh, and this weekend he was the man. He was the man, and now he's the guy that everybody's going to be chasing going into Cal Speed. And, and you look and you look at the names that are here. We we don't have a crow this year. We don't have Cleveland here this year, and I think that's kind of because of the transition to the new engine package. They just didn't jump on board. But you've got Paul Bedia here. You've got Eric Jackson there. Here's two guys that made it to the podium on the weekend. Wearing their Team USA Rotax suits, you know they have the ability to win races and to get as part of, the, uh, of Team USA. These guys have the ability to get the job done. You throw David Pergandi in there as well. David's always been super consistent and, and continues to get better and better in terms of being a Masters driver. He was right there battling it out with Eric Jackson trying to get on the podium. There's just a really good field of drivers, and it just seemed like I think the big thing for Kasich was over the distance of that long 25 lap race. Now we're running, and they run full 25 lap mains for Masters. Kasich was able to have that setup, David, that was consistent all race long. You know, we talked to Paul late uh, after the races on Sunday, and he said the car just started to develop some understeer on him in the second half of the race. And he just couldn't quite keep the lead. He had the lead on Kasich, then Kasich ran him down, got by him, was able to stretch away. Um, but this really kind of between you and I, and I think we both agreed this kind of develops into what is going to be a pretty good storyline all the way to Sonoma because Kasich obviously is a, is a former Phoenix resident. He knows this racetrack very well. What's going to happen when we go to Cal Speed, a track that, that Bonilla knows really well. I think it's going to be exciting to see how the storyline rolls out here in Masters. For sure. And, and I'm wondering if, you know, some of these drivers that have been to Phoenix a lot of times have the advantage of knowing what it's like to race it without so much rubber on it. 
Uh, a lot of the events we we've been to it with at Phoenix, the track really rubbers down, rubbers down. But uh, no, I don't not so much. I'm not quite sure where the track was uh, this weekend as in compared to other weekends that we've been there because it, you know, obviously being on the Bridgestone tires, it's a completely new uh, ball game for for a lot of these drivers. They've never been on this type of uh, compound before. Yeah, and that probably plays to the more experienced drivers who know how to evolve their chassis setup when they're when they're taking the input from what the what the uh, what the tires are telling them, what the chassis is telling them. And again, it plays well to the guys that know the track as well. I think that that played for a lot of drivers here. We saw some local guys really step it up. Uh, in Mini Rock, some aggressive racing. There was a little bit of more contact than I think I probably would have expected. A couple drivers were out there were uh, a little bit on the rough side, but uh, all in all. Uh, a big win for Enzo Swan on Saturday, able to uh, score the victory over Chase Gardner and Kai Sorensen. David, there's a really good handful of drivers right now in this class that are going to run up front, I think, all year long, uh, not only in this program, but in other programs as well. But to watch these guys in this mini rock class, you know, you throw Parker DeLong in the, in the fight there as well. There was just great racing in this class all weekend long. It was kind of kind of like the Briggs classes where we saw it was a chess game or these kids, you know, these 10 to 12 year olds are they're playing chess out there at 50 miles an hour. So it's it's <laughs> interesting. You know, sometimes, it, you know, the move works. Sometimes the move doesn't work. And it's, it's part of learning because, again, these kids are learning out there. You know, they're not going to do everything perfect. So we got we got to sometimes take a step back and be like, OK, yep, it was it might not have been the right move to make. But it, you know, now we're now we're learning. Yeah, as we say all the time, mistakes are only an opportunity to learn. It's not like a mistake is the worst thing in the world, but these drivers, when they learn from their mistakes, just make them better and better, and that's that's where this racecraft develops. On Sunday, big win actually for Chase Gardner on the VM. He gets his first major national victory, and he earned it, David. It wasn't like uh, a couple guys got together and he ended up you know, being the only guy out front. He was in the middle of a battle with Sorensen and, uh, and DeLong, uh, issue for Swan getting taken out early, but you know, Chase Gardner was able to win what, over what was a really serious battle between those two drivers all race long. Yeah, it could have been anybody's race. Uh, you know, it looked like, you know, Parker was kind of waiting in the wings, but nothing ever really developed for him to be able to take advantage. So uh, Gardner was able to, uh, to to be triumph with, uh, I think, DeLong trying to get by Sorensen for second. So uh, he was able, yeah. he was able to get away uh, in the final corners and, and and reach the checker flag first. How about the two hundred six categories? We talked already earlier in the broadcast about how great the show was in senior. Three different drivers able to win heat races. For you and I, I think we probably went into the main with no idea who was going to win. Uh, although I think Mike Hendricks probably was the most impressive overall throughout the the race and just his ability, his kind of calmness and, and poise in the heat races. Uh, Jensen Altman was able to win. Hendricks was able to win. Torgerson was able to win a heat race in senior. To be honest, I, I had no idea who was going to going to come home with the win when we started on Sunday. No, you add in uh, McKinney and Bailey Murphy, who ran senior rock, but are also local, so they they run the Briggs stuff too. And, and so you, you had five drivers who have all had hundreds of laps around Phoenix. It was basically a crapshoot. It was like, okay, yeah, <laughs> any one of the five. Any one of the five was going to win. And and that's what it looked like as as the race progressed because they were going back and forth, back and forth. You know, Hendricks fell back early. Uh, it didn't look like he was going to be able to knife his way through through the other four. But then, you know, you just never know. And and things kind of unfolded where he was able to put himself in uh, in second position. And from there, 
boom, right to the win. Yeah, and that for me, that was interesting. Obviously, uh, an issue early for Hendricks, but he was just real relaxed driving one of those, the, one of the VLR chassis. Uh, you're right. He was able to, you know, he was fifth, I think, and then he went to fourth. And then, you know, we, I started talking about strategy midway through the race. You know, who's going to, who's going to start making the move to get into that challenge position? Who's going to get into second where, you, you know, kind of where you wanted to be? And then he went to third and then Mike went to second. And it's all of a sudden, hey, you know what? This, this guy's playing this really, really well. Everybody else was kind of battling behind him. Uh, McKinney was having trouble staying with the, you know, staying with that, the, the, the whole group, as was Bailey. They just kind of struggled a bit there, just didn't quite have it. And once you lost the draft, you're going to get yourself in trouble. But then they'd race up front, you cut, you close back up again. But then, of course, Hendricks going for the win afterwards. I, I was, I was impressed overall with the way he managed that race start to finish. But again, as you said, it really was up for grabs. But I think a, a well-deserved win for Micah Hendricks. Of course, 500 bucks cash as well from Andy Saisman as part of the non-championship series. The 206, anytime we go somewhere, it still puts on a great race, David. It's, it's not the outright speed. We're not 70, 80 miles an hour at the end of the straightaway. Um, but the racing is always so good, and it really does, I think, put so much pressure on racecraft and knowing what chassis you have what setup you have, how good your car is, and where you need to be at the end of the, at the end of the race. There's so much strategy involved. Yeah, and it, it it could sometimes it could be a great race, but it just sometimes it might have that opportunity where it's going to be okay. We just sit around and wait till the last lap. So <laughs> thankfully, it wasn't that. You know, a lot of, a lot of times you could see that where oh, I'm just going to sit in second place push this guy around and then wait till the last lap and boom, go 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 for yeah. the win. So. I don't think they were allowed to do that because we had five guys in that lead group. Everybody wanted to be in second. You know, that was, that was kind of the thing, right? You're, you're never really safe in second. It's not like anybody could ever stretch away. And, and that's one of the things I think about Phoenix too, because when you come out of the hairpin turn eight, it's such a long run all the way down to turn 10, you know, the right hand Daytona, which is essentially almost flat out in, in a Briggs. And you would see guys get some, maybe two, three, four cart lengths coming out of turn number eight because the guy kind of blew eight a little bit. Well, the minute they would come through the come through the kink turn nine, they would just roll up in the draft, and, and we started all over again. So, uh, and similar in the two hundred six junior class, uh, Toby Longnecker looked to me to be the driver to beat throughout the weekend on his VLR. Uh, but you know, there were some issues in the heat races where there was some incidents on track. We had a lot of carnage over in turn number eleven. At one point, Logan Calderwood was able to jump through and get out of a, I think it was a tur- I mean, a, a lap one or a lap two wreck in, in turn number, uh, in turn number eleven. David that off camber left hander, and he was able to stretch away, and he was able to put the car on the pole with some consistent runs in the heats. So. All in all, while Longnecker, I think, may have probably had the opportunity to win outright, it was Logan Calderwood who was able to be in the right spot. And I'll, and I'll give Logan complete props. Handled that last lap beautifully. Longnecker in second. And Tuesday, Calderwood doing a tremendous job all weekend long to be able to grab third. A, a solid podium for Tuesday as well. Yeah, it's, yeah. so we had two sets of siblings on the same podium. So with, you have Torgerson's and, and Rock Jr. And then you have the Calderwoods and in uh in uh 206 junior so it was pretty cool to see that i liked it i liked it ah, that wraps up our race report and our breakdown from the challenge of the america's opener uh in phoenix arizona david uh you know we'll be heading to cal speed for rounds number three and four Look, looking forward to that let's have a look quickly at the ekn trackside live race calendar brought to you with this episode by streeter superstands February 9th, 10th, and 11th, before we head back to the challenge, I'm going to head down to the Supercarts USA Winter Series Finale, the doubleheader weekend at Ocala Grand Prix. 
Uh, again, that's just uh, over a week's time. We'll be uh, back to Florida for uh, the wrap-up of the Scusa Winter Series. Then David and I head back to California uh, to Fontana, the Challenge of the Americas, rounds uh, three and four at Cal Speed Karting uh, in Fontana, California, February 23rd, 24th, 25th. And then what? Right straight, uh, we head to the Scusa Pro Tour. They get the season underway, the Winter Nationals at NOLA Motorsports Park on March 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. David, final thoughts, a little wrap-up of the weekend in Phoenix. It was, it was a great one. You got a couple hits at In-N-Out Burger, which is always a happy thing. We had the Green Chili Grill taking care of us at lunch. So food-wise, I was pretty happy with the way things shook down. Well, yeah, Let's just say that. Don't, don't overlook the pizza. Oh, Pizzeria Bianco, you're right, on Friday night and Chop Chop on, on Sunday. Night. And Supercross, thanks to Cooper Tires giving his great seats up in the booth. Uh, yeah, all in all, a pretty good weekend away from the racetrack. <laughs> yeah, me and Ralph Shaheen had kind of some kind of you know eye contact, I'm pretty sure, when we were looking over at the uh, Fox Sports broadcast booth. You know, maybe maybe I might have to be leaving this job to go to Fox Sports. I don't know. We'll see. Listen, you may be. You're, you're pretty good at what you do. I don't know. <laughs> but they, they, they're actually on screen every once in a while. I'm not sure if that'll yeah, work out for I could, you. I could be the data guy. I could uh, I could be one of the data guys. I'm pretty good with numbers. You could be the stats guy. Yeah. Right? Handling the stats. Data, stats. stats. You know, yeah. hey, bottom line, you know, we said, hey, listen, we want to go. Uh, we're going to try to get out of here and head to, head to the Supercross racing over at Phoenix. And we did. And it was awesome. We got there just after the, the 250 SX heat race number one. Uh, Cooper Tires hooking us up with some great seats. Uh, what, 22 rows up. And then we eventually uh, got to join Chris Pantani from Cooper uh, up in the up in their suite as they were uh, hosting some good folks from Discount Tire. And, you know, David, we're lucky. We do a lot of great stuff with Cooper Tires. I work with them, of course on the Mazda road to Indy, but Cooper for the last couple of years have also been our title sponsor of our EKN live broadcast for the super nationals. So great to work with Cooper tires and really just a great Saturday night, Supercross, just something about it. What, what a great show they put on. Yeah, it was a great show that, and you know, I didn't, I thought it was like an all day thing where you had to be there at like one o'clock, but I didn't realize it. Boom. It's like a, it's like a football game you're going to or basketball game. It, it it's great that they, they kind of condense it all in that little bit. You know, there's not a lot of downtime for uh, for either repairing the track or, or this and that. They always have something going up on the big screens. They had the uh, the, the kids in the uh, KTMs. That was uh, pretty cool to see uh, those guys going around. Uh, it was a great show. That's a discussion that we could have a lot, couldn't we? It's, it's just so different to what we do. Those kids, seven, eight years of age. Uh, KTM coming in, providing everything. They don't have to pay for anything. They get to come in. They get to run at the Supercross. Local kids in the KTM series, the, the kids series there. And that's just not something we have in karting. Our seven and eight, nine-year-olds, you know, everybody wants them to be the, the superstars and <laughs> right in the middle of the national series race. And it's just such a different approach to how to get these young kids into the sport. It is. And then we capped it off with Waffle House. Don't forget Waffle House. I mean, we went to Waffle we House had, afterwards. We that's had right. pretty much every, everything, Dude. but I think... Chinese man you're right we did we so we had we did pizzeria bianco which was badass we did chop chop couple of an out burger hits we got waffle house and green chili grill their burrito was absolutely badass a little spicy on, on the spicy side but yeah so food wise entertainment wise was awesome uh the hotel was fantastic we slept well worked their tails off racing wise though you know what I'm going to say at the end, a huge positive for the challenge of the Americas to be able to get out of the box, you know, on what really is the walking into a new era for the program. You know, Andy Saisman kind of 
I got to say, he rolled the dice. You know, they ran raw, ran uh, Rotax uh, Max for ten years, and to be able to essentially rebrand the series with Rock and Vortex and and Bridgestone, a bit of a gamble for Andy. But again, as we said from the very top of the broadcast, Dave, when the program, the people he has, the staff he has, the infrastructure for the challenge. It really doesn't matter which engine package they would run. The staff and infrastructure he has in place is what really gives the challenge its culture and its focus on fun, I think. Yeah, I think if you ask a lot of the competitors, even those that who finished either last or, or towards the back of the field, I think they can still say they had a great time. They thought they were, they were treated fairly. They thought they were treated uh, friendly. You know, those are two big key things into going out and spending all this money to go do a sport that we love. And uh, that's one thing that, that Andy's crew really does well. Well, you know, any event you're going to have, it's motorsports. It's a sport. You're going to have disagreements. There's going to be contact on the racetrack. You're not going to remove all contact. It's how you deal with it, how you sit down with the drivers and, and look at some video and explain why the penalty came as it was. If there was a mistake, you say there was a mistake and you you overturn your call. But otherwise, and I think, I think the professionalism that uh, Taylor Jocelyn and um, and Mark Missione and Angel Mata bring to that essentially uh, officiating staff, I would really hope that that would kind of you know it would kind of go into the culture of the program as well. They do such a good job trying to focus on on just on describing why penalties were made that that parents and drivers, when they understand that that's the approach that's taken, that they can kind of mirror that and come back with a similar respect. You know, you, you know the, the staff has a respect for the drivers. And when drivers have respect for the call that's been made, because everybody thinks the call is different. When you're behind the wheel and you got the helmet on and it's red mist and you have, there's no way that I hit that guy. And then you find out that you did, you know, that's when you say, you know what, you're right. I'm wrong. I appreciate it. Let's move on. And I think, I think it's that culture that you continue to fuel that allows everybody to have a better feel of how to approach the sport in terms of officiating. Yep. It's, and it's always a challenge to try and get people to understand that. And it, it's something that'll be always, we work on in the sport. Some days are good. Some days are bad. And, and, and I think overall this weekend was really well. Well, one of the things about this sport, and I think it's one of the things that keeps us all going and we love it so much. It is fueled so much by passion. It is a very high energy sport it fires you up. It elicits a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of excitement, a lot of adrenaline, and that can always fuel, uh, you know, push through to fuel that passion, whether it's negative or positive passion, you're going to get it. People that get penalized because they had a great finish start losing their mind. They start swearing like crazy. That's the stuff I'd like to change because I understand that there's adrenaline and there's passion, but there's also got to be respect. I agree. Well, folks, that's it. That's that's episode. I agree. You agree, David? <laughs> He's not the best color man in sports for nothing, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, that's going to wrap up episode number 15 of the debrief. We are excited to be into our 2018 EKN Trackside Live Tour. As I said, uh, we looked at the calendar. I'm off to Ocala for the final round of the Scuzo Winter Series. David Cole and I will reconnect in Cal Speed uh, as we get set to once again head out to the Challenge of the Americas. We got lots of great stuff coming. More things here on the EKN Radio Network. I got a couple more podcasts lined up here for the week. We're going to keep rocking and rolling these podcasts, folks. Make sure you tune in on the EKN Radio Network. We've got Operation Grassroots podcasts coming. We've got some more industry insider interviews lined up. David and I have a couple other Fast Five art, uh, interviews getting ready to go. We're going to be working on a new morning warm up uh, morning show as well that you'll be listen- able to listen to on the way to work. A lot of great stuff happening. It's definitely a work in progress. But we're thrilled that you're tuning in to these podcasts and, of course, tuning in anytime you want, 24-7, 
ecardinews.com slash radio. The only 24-7 radio station in the sport, EKN Radio. On behalf of David Cole, this has been Rob Howden. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of The Debrief. Bye for now.